Expedition 44 here with Matt and Ryan. We are finishing up a great eschatology series. We have done an introduction and a nine-part series. Today we're going to kind of give you an overview. And when we started this, I think most of our viewers weren't even really sure what preterist meant, so to speak. And they've stuck with us and we've gotten a lot of emails, comments, things like that about you know, how much this actually makes sense within the scripture and understanding and how it really has given a lot of clarity to it. But I think the thing that most people come back to and the reason they think that we're doing this series is because a lot of people are associating what we're going through right now with being the end times. Mm -hmm. And you get a lot of people asking, is the end of the world near? Are we living in the last days? Is Christ's return imminent or at hand? And when you look clearly at the scriptures, you kind of get into futurist thinking of a lot of people making charts and trying to do the numerology. And we've mentioned this in nearly every film, but, but when it comes down to it, we really only have one clear scripture on this and it says no one knows the time or the place. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's what we have that scripture says. And when you try to read anything else really into scripture, you start getting into trouble. And so that's kind of where I land, but for about 150 years, mostly in a, I'd say a, a westernized American mindset, that's the way we've been thinking is, is, are we living in the end of this? Are we waiting for all these things to happen? And throughout this series, we've kind of been showing you that that's not necessarily the case, especially if you're just looking at scripture for the answers. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times when we think of the end times or the, the last things, people will think that it's just kicked off when the tribulation starts. Yeah, yeah. And so, but we kind of see in the beginning of the book of Hebrews that it happened, the end times were kicked off at the cross. Yeah. That yeah. it's the last days and whether that's the last days of the old covenant or whether we're still in the last days and they keep going, it isn't completely clear. We don't have all the cards there. So the crazy thing is you ask almost any evangelical, is Christ reigning now? Is Christ on the throne? And they would seem very clearly to say, well, yes, Christ mm -hmm. is reigning on the throne. And then you kind of come back and say, well, what does that mean mm -hmm. then? And I think you kind of lose them somewhere. But I think in the futurist sense, you kind of get this prediction after prediction, and they've kind of failed to materialize. Yep. Whether you're working from a numerology perspective, trying to build these numbers, or whether you're kind of taking these... We kind of laugh about five or six futurist verses that they're building these huge things on, and you're reading these things, and... A lot of people feel disillusioned over that. They almost feel like they've been lied to in that culture that, you know, this mm -hmm. happens and, you know, Christ Christ hasn't come back yet. Mm -hmm. And and then there's kind of like this secular media overlooking all of this, uh -huh. like taunting the Christians for it at the same time. Yeah, and then you even get the kind of the indications when you read through this lens of scripture that even they thought the disciples thought that Jesus was coming within their life and it didn't happen. So is actually the Bible truthful? But when you take a preterist view, yeah. you see there was a coming of Christ, which was about the end of the, the old age and yep. the inauguration of the new age. And that's the end of the old covenant and Jesus is, and then the new covenant going forward, which was in Jesus's blood and the yeah. cross. Yeah. So we realize in America that Matt and I as preterists kind of represent the minority view. That mm -hmm. every, almost every conventional, traditional church is kind of caught in that end times left behind thinking. If you just pulled one person out of just about any church off of a corner, that's the way they would think. That's not necessarily the case worldwide though. No. You get into a lot of Eastern Orthodox churches and things like that and they're not thinking that way at all. Yeah, or, or even Anglican. Yeah. <laughs> even when yeah. you get further east 
it's this view doesn't exist. And we also talked about when you look at the early church fathers, and even if you read the medieval and Reformation writings, you're not going to find a rapture, a great tribulation, right. Right. any of these key things, staples of the dispensational futurist view. They yep. didn't exist for the first 1800 years of Christianity. Yep. So there's kind of this pull, pull push between literal and figurative going on. And, you know, you and I always say that you have to examine within the whole context of what we're reading as well as the lens of scripture, but also the cultural context. And so when you're, when you're doing that, you get a very good physical literalization approach to the way scripture looks and the way in their day that it was being written to the people that were reading this. And so we say all the time that this wasn't necessarily written for us, mm-hmm. but we're jumping into this lens of, of what would it have looked like towards the people that it was directly written to. Now we're gleaning from it yep. at the same time. Um, so when we talk about preterist, and some people, if you're if you're Anglican or Orthodox, you might say preterist. Um, I prefer preterist, yeah. being, a, being a American, American. and yep. speaking kind of a wild English language. That would be the way we'd say it. But it's the same thing, in case you're wondering. Sometimes you hear partial preterist. That's what we think you know, describes us the best. And as we've described before, there's a lot of people that don't like that lingo because they feel like it's like half of a full preterist or not firing on all cylinders. But Uh the problem is full preterism gets a little little sticky, sticky, get a little out there. And the main distinction between what people would call full preterism or you even hear heretical preterism sometimes is that they believe that Christ returned at 70 AD. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we would absolutely draw the line and say, no, the Messiah is, we're still looking for the Messiah's return. But other than that, that you will find a lot of likeness between partial preterism, full preterism, and you might hear the word orthodox preterism a lot, and that Mm -hmm. kind of fits, probably fits our view closer than anything. Yeah, like you said, uh, partial preterists are still, we're looking forward to the return of Christ, the resurrection, the final judgment. Yep. Those things are still out there. They haven't, they haven't happened yet. now, full preterism, you kind of are doing a dance with Gnosticism because yeah. they don't believe in a bodily resurrection. It's a spiritual yeah. resurrection. So it's kind of that, like what we talked about in our, our Heaven series, is in almost the view that's almost slipped into the church yes. almost, that our pie-in-the-sky view of the end is escaping this earth and yeah. escaping these bodies and going to heaven where we're going to sit on a cloud forever. Yeah. Yeah. But no, we're looking for new creation. Heaven's coming to earth. We're going to have physical resurrected bodies. Yeah. And then the, the full preterist idea gets a little crazy when you think that if Christ already returned at 70 AD, then what are we doing here? Yeah. It kind of puts us in this weird thing mm-hmm. of, you know, just just kind of passing time. But I will say that, you know, even those things, they do have explanations. You yeah. know, there, there's, there's some that if you get into it, might not sound as crazy as you think. And I'll come back to that because when you're talking about partial preterism and futurism, there's actually... A, an awful lot of similarities of things, mm-hmm. things that we're waiting for. And, you know, the second coming resurrection judgment, like you said, yeah. we're, we're pretty equally united, yoked yeah. and united mm-hmm. on those yep. things. And so, so there's not this huge sea that I would say a lot mm-hmm. of people think there is between a partial preterist and more of a futurist or an escapist thinking of that. I mean, a lot, the main things are actually the same. It's m- maybe even just the details that we're a little bit different on yep. as far as that goes. Um, as a partial preterist, I would say the thing that I have the hardest time with is the left behind community. Mm-hmm. The idea that we're going to miraculously disappear someday. Yeah. Um, and we did a video on rapture thinking. Yeah. Um, so you can go back. That's in, actually in our Heaven series yep. as well. Um, 
But the rapture, like we talked about, um, didn't really come about until like the 1800s. Yeah, a lot it's later. The first time we see it you know, with uh, Darby and the yep. Schofield Reference Bible and yeah. things like that. Um, but before that, I mean, like, like we talked about early church, you no mention of the rapture. And some will say that, oh, this is further revelation, but then yeah. that gets really, really sticky, sticky. Yeah. when yeah. you're saying, are we, after the close of the canon, there's further revelation? Yeah, were, you could pretty much then make up anything yeah. <laughs> going further. So again, this is an overview. We've already mm -hmm. dove way yeah. into all this. But, but looking at that from an overview perspective, I think starting with the rapture, it's that's where it really gets sticky. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at this kind of disappearing act yep. happening, going on, and then you look at how few verses really talk about that. And then uh -huh. you, if you read them within context, you know... I've had people even kind of look at me and say, no, no, that, that can't be the, the set of verses that, that that's based off of, you know, and I, mm -hmm. yeah, that's it, you know, yeah. just that's, that's what it means. And so there's not this huge doctrinal foundation for thinking that way that people think that there is. And then yeah. once they start reading, they kind of go, oh, well, when you read it, you know, when I actually sit down and read this, I, I don't really come to that type of thinking. And so... I'll say this again, that, that all of the essential beliefs of Christianity and early Protestantism are really represented within this kind of thinking, within yeah. the preterist mm -hmm. approach. Yeah, and so, you don't get off into crazy land. Crazy land, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. so unfortunately, uh, America has kind of been dependent on more reformational thinking in this last you know couple hundred years where we've just kind of accepted these views rather than necessarily dive into finding out exactly what Scripture says. Yeah, so then after the rapture, I think that... Um, one of the other cornerstones of the futurist view is the Great Tribulation. Yeah. So we get that phrase, Great Tribulation, both in Revelation and in Matthew 24. And so people try to connect those. Yeah. But as we showed in context, Matthew 24 is talking about the destruction of the temple. Yep. Jesus is coming and taking down the diseased house. Yes. We, and there's this urgency that it's uh -huh. written within. I mean, it's it's within this generation. Yep. It's talking about these yep. the coming things. And to yep. read that and think that that's talking about... Two or three thousand yeah. years later, it—it's a little. I'm even. I'm going to be careful how I say this, but you can't interpret this hermeneutically the same way that you would interpret it other things on the Bible, mm -hmm. and have that make sense. Yeah. I mean, anywhere else, if you read that in the Old Testament and you read that kind of wordage of this was happening, within a few chapters, you're reading it's happening, yep. and and you just accept that. That's the way the Bible does. But for some reason, that same hermeneutical approach in the New Testament, people want to apply differently yeah so one of the big things that people get hung up on in especially matthew 24 and we we've discussed this is kind of the cosmic signs yep. and the coming of the son of man on the yep. clouds and they think that that's a rapture or the the second coming but where else do we see the son of man coming on the clouds daniel 7 yeah and what does happens in daniel 7 jesus the coming on the clouds isn't down it's up it's up yeah it's so up it's backwards thinking. it's backwards it, thinking. it doesn't make sense when so, you put it together yeah, so and go this is what we think but then you go well that's not anywhere in Scripture. Yeah. Where, where do you come so up with that? So when you connect that? the Old Testament view of coming on the clouds, the Son of Man coming on the clouds is Daniel 7, with what's going on in Matthew, it's the beasts being defeated in Daniel 7. Yeah. And we talked about the beasts in Revelation being both Rome and the Jewish hierarchy, yeah. the temple hierarchy, the ones who rejected Jesus. Yeah. So the beasts are defeated. And when the beasts are defeated in Daniel, the Son of Man comes is, is connected with the Son of Man coming in the clouds and given all power, rule, authority, yeah. becoming king. And so that's the same verbiage in Matthew 24. When the temple is destroyed, the yeah. son, it's the sign that the Son of Man is king. And connected with this is the problem with the Antichrist. Everybody's mm -hmm. looking for this Antichrist figure to kind of come to terms. And again, 
that in itself is really hard to find in the scripture. When mm -hmm. you're just opening up the book saying, does this actually say that we're looking for an Antichrist coming? And you read the scripture kind of with a first time lens, you go, man, I don't really see that framework in here. If anything, it happened already. It happened at yeah. 70 AD. Yeah, and we see in the epistles of John that it's usually plural. There's yeah. not just one Antichrist, it's a spirit. Yeah, yeah. So the whole thinking there is a little off, and our films have really jumped into that. At least three or four of them have kind of covered mm -hmm. that mindset or that yep. thinking. Um, I think as you watch these films, the first time you're hearing this idea of, of a preterist approach you're thinking it's a little crazy you know mm -hmm. people have never heard it before they've they've heard the left behind yeah. theories of rapture tribulation the millennium all this kind of stuff but when you start reading the way i think we presented it mm -hmm. it's conservative it's consistent it's yep. optimistic it's responsible and it's very accountable as mm -hmm. to what the scripture actually said and i think most people as they they've joined us for this whole series now have come back and said that just really fits with scripture. Like we're not trying to do some crazy theological gymnastics to make all this like work within your theology. Yep. It just it just works this way. It does. Yeah, for, for me, um, when I, back in, in seminary, I took a class on Revelation. At the time when I took it, I was a futurist. Yeah. Um, and they presented the four major views, five kind of, of Revelation, and we had to try to read the book through each lens. And that's when it clicked for me as like, oh my gosh, this actually makes the most sense when you read it yeah. through a partial preterist lens. Right. And then I started connecting the rest of scripture to it. And I'm like, wow, this makes so much sense. Yeah. And you don't have to jump through certain hermeneutical hoops. It's very rare that you find a completely unbiased um, seminary teacher. Usually mm -hmm. they're going to have some kind of you know background. But when you get one, like you just explained, and uh -huh. they just say, read it and go with it. I find that those those are the people that come back over and over and say, if you if you want the least amount of arguments, the preterist viewpoint is where is is the best one to fall on. You know, mm -hmm. you might want to believe this, or your your whole doctrinal camp might fall over here. So you're trying to make that work. That's what I refer to as the gymnastics. Mm -hmm. But if you just want to look at at the end times, if you want to call it that, what what we're looking at through what Scripture talks about. There's very few arguments to mm -hmm. taking this road or taking this thing. Yeah. So when you talk about um, all of these things, we we use the already not yet kind of framework, balance yeah. framework mm -hmm. of looking at this already. And from a partial preterist perspective, we've we've said this over and over in the films of what we're looking at. But most all of these things have already happened in our in our mindset. Mm -hmm. they, they, they were, Matthew 24 is huge, as you alluded yep. to, and it's talking about all these things within the generation, and almost all of them took place before 70 AD. So what is it that's still left out there? What are, what are we still looking for as you and I? And again, we're not making charts about any of this stuff, but we're looking for the Messiah to come back. Yeah, we, we've talked about that the promise that was given and that the one thing we do know is we don't know the day or the hour yeah so it could be another thousand years it could be tomorrow yeah we we just don't know we're called to be ready yeah we're called to be prepared yeah. go prepared is what you always say yeah, that's right so that's what we're supposed to be you know like we i think i've got that shirt on actually yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that's what we're called to do and we're also called to make disciples yeah and so that's our mindset the thing that i always struggled with when I was dealing with my future stuff is squaring that, all right, so we got to make disciples, but we're also supposed to bunker down kind of and get ready for the end times. And to me, I had a hard time 
kind of s- squaring those things, expecting this tribulation to come yeah. and a rapture and things like that. And it, it didn't put yep. me in a mindset that really wanted to go forward. And that's just me. Maybe other futurists aren't that way. Right. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But that was my mindset of kind of the fear that was instilled in me of uh, angry God coming back in a rapture yes. and wrath being poured out right. and, and that. And it made me want to kind of just bunker down with my family and not go reach my neighbor. Put you in kind of a freak out mode, I a think. Bit. Yeah, and, that's and what so did to me, at least. The escapist idea is that everybody simply needs salvation. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we're going for is we're out on the street corners, you know, through the through the tubes preaching mm-hmm. this, being, being at people's deathbeds, you know. That kind of thinking, is, it's really salvation driven. But you read particularly the... The call from Jesus, what, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. It's all discipleship. Yeah. I mean, he's saying, build your 12, build your 70, mm-hmm. um, love your neighbor. Yeah, All of this stuff is is not just that, you know, hinging on this one-time salvation mm-hmm. message, but it's it's actually culminating what happens after that, mm-hmm. as, as if the journey is, in many ways, more important than the singular mm-hmm. experience itself. Yeah, and then we talked about temple and sacred space. The earth is God's, I mean, we're God's temple, but ultimately yeah. heaven's coming to earth, so it's going to be... Yeah. his his space so and there's going to be a bodily resurrection and yeah. so we're going to be here so it kind of makes us want to take care of the earth and that we're not escaping it and it's yeah. not that who cares we're going we're going up right and it actually gives you some precedence to live for the here and now yeah and 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 be good stewards of this creation gift that we've been given yeah it's kind of this church now philosophy yeah that, like this is this is what we've been given mm-hmm. and this is where we are and we want to do it as best as we can as, yeah. as light bearers yeah. for the calling rather yep. than just running around like chicken with our head cut off, which is what church feels like to me a lot of times. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go to a church that preaches a salvation message over and over and over and it seems like that's all the emphasis and you kind of look around and go, you know, where is the growth? Where is the discipleship over and over? And then you look at the scripture, you just kind of wonder, are, are we getting off of the main calling of the gospel message? Is, mm-hmm. is that where? And we did a whole series on the gospel message yeah, too, and that's parts. kind of where we where we landed with all of that kind of stuff. But the real thing is when you when you take this mindset, it becomes a much more clear, optimistic worldview for who you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives you a sense of purpose. The, we're made in the image of God, and the image of God isn't some superpower. Yeah, it's the image of God is our vocation to rule and reign in creation, and like you said, be light bearers. We're supposed to take the glory of God out into the entire world and have others realize that that's their vocation as well. Yeah. When I think of the life of Jesus, and I read all these examples of parables, it seems like people were always kind of in the crazy mode. I mm-hmm. mean, they were always trying to catch Jesus in, you know, a trap, and people mm-hmm. would always come screaming and yelling. And what do we see Jesus doing over and over? He's calming people down. Mm-hmm. He's way laid back, and he's yep. just kind of saying, you know, walking them, holding their hand, and this in this love thing, slowing down. And that's the mindset of seeing things through this lens of Scripture is you avoid the crazy cycle, and you kind of get back to more of the mindset that... Jesus himself took on life. Mm-hmm. So where does this leave you and leave our viewers with how do we walk away with something like this? COVID-19 is still mm-hmm. going on. You you go down to, you know, particularly downtown cities and it looks like there's like a Holocaust happening or something like that. I mean, what, what's your perspective of how these things meet up and align? Yeah, I, I believe that God can and ultimately will work good out of these things this just because our world right now is 
is going crazy and maybe there's a little bit of an upheaval, but sometimes foundations need to be shaken so yeah. that they can become stronger. We've seen this all throughout history. If you look at the whole span of history, it's it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we might be on one of the drops right now. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world. And from scripture, we've kind of shown through this whole series that it probably isn't. Yeah, maybe Jesus is coming soon, but we're not looking for some seven-year tribulation because it's not there, as we've shown <laughs> right. in Scripture. There's nothing that says there will be a seven-year tribulation. As believers, we live in an upside-down kingdom. Yeah, We're always going to face trials and tribulations, and we should count it as joy, actually, when we do because Absolutely. we're participating in the sufferings of Christ. Yeah. Um, so we shouldn't be afraid of persecution or even danger that we should actually view it with joy yeah. um, and actually look forward to hope because we have this promise of renewed creation and the promise that yeah God will ultimately win yes yeah and so to me it just it it like soothes my soul so to speak you know like I, I don't I don't feel like I'm caught up in this again the crazy cycle of, of all these like oh my goodness you know is, is Trump just said that you know Israel's a nation is that prophetic does that mean you know Christ yeah. is going to come back you just hear that kind of stuff and it's it's almost comes off as silliness a little bit mm -hmm. so so i really like the framework that the preterist idea of I, i'm even hesitant to say end times but where we're at you know mm -hmm. what's going on with us awaiting the second coming of christ how that fits with the rest of the lens of scripture and again that it just seems to be out of all the different views the one that is the least complicated and fits within the whole lens of scripture the best hermeneutically Yep. So I hope you've enjoyed this series. I hope you've gotten a lot out of it. It's made you think. It's made you dive in more to the scripture. And if you're still on the fence considering your views, that's great. That's mm -hmm. that's what we're hoping yeah. for. We, we want people to dive in and, and meet God here and, and jump into the word of God and understand how scripture speaks to you and how it's been given to us in the same way. Mm -hmm. May God bless you and keep you.